Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Well, not just how we think about spirituality. Let's talk about how we think about relationships and how we think about each other. That's what we're going to speak about today. I hope you're well. Welcome aboard Fresh Thinking with myself, Rabbi Shishla. We're together until the top of the hour. And you know how the rules are. You can interact anytime that you wish throughout the conversation. Lines are open, right? That's what we always say. How do you reach us? Well, there's always the good old social media approach, which many people use. So you can comment on Twitter at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. You can comment on Facebook, on the Chai FM Facebook page or on my Facebook page. You could send us an SMS on 34519 or uh, a Telegram message on 0618951019. So it is you who makes the conversation. I'd love you to weigh in and share your thoughts. It's the time of the year. It's the time of the year where things are, uh, you know, we're, we're quite introspective as a Jewish people. It's a time of the year where we count the Oimer, and it's a time of the year where very often people speak about the fact that back centuries ago, there was this uh, terrible event that happened, and Rabbi Akiva, who was the the leader of the Jewish community at the time, lost 24,000 students. And it raises a conversation that comes around every single year. It's also related to the Torah portion that we're going to read this week. And it's a conversation that I think we need to have on a regular basis. It's the conversation about how do we think and how do we feel about each other or how should we maybe it's safer to speak about how we should feel towards each other rather than saying how we do feel towards each other we know that one of the cardinal principles of judaism is the principle of what is called you should love your fellow jew as you love yourself you have to respect every single person jewish or not love is a huge responsibility it's a huge ask and so the Torah expects of us to have this love as we love ourselves for those who are within our community. And it raises, is this viable? Is this doable? It's something we are very happy to announce and proclaim and turn into bumper stickers and, and you know, say that this is our credo. This is what we easy to pay lip service. Not necessarily so easy to do that's that's what uh, should give us pause for reflection and challenge us a little bit to say so realistically this idea of loving other people is it viable is, is it a realistic thing for the Torah to tell us how we should feel surely there are some people who you simply do not deserve our love Surely there are some people where it's quite acceptable just to say, listen, I want to have absolutely nothing to do with you because we believe that they're a negative influence or because we believe that they suck us of our energy or, or whatever it is. Everybody has, you can be sure, somebody, if not a group of people in their lives, who say, I would actually prefer to have little or nothing to do with that person. So it's a great ideal. And in theory, it sounds really nice, this idea of like yourself the question is how how do you actually get there so that's something that i feel we should be talking about we should be talking about a lot so i'm going to ask the question this way 
is it, first of all, is it feasible? Is it something that you think is accessible? And second of all, um, what, what about, like, are there any prerequisites? In order for me to love another person, they need to. What, what would they need to do in order to earn our love? It's, a, it's a, you know, so often you hear these feel-good stories and you say, wow, that's amazing. And look how these people went out of their way for each other and how much kindness they showed and how much love, etc. It's all very nice. For every one of those stories, there's probably at least another story of somebody who was cut out of a family or a community or a personal relationship, some kind of a variable. It's not so simple. You know, it's it's a wonderful theoretical ideal. Question is, how does it work in practice? And what's interesting also about this is, you know, it reminds me of the, um, the cliche, the cliche that says, in theory, there is no difference between theory and practice. But in practice, there is. And I think the point is, that in theory, as long as we're talking about something in a theoretical context, hey, we're all on board, absolutely, without a question. And then it's not always so practical. And probably one of the reasons that this is very high on my mind at the moment is because of two sides of a series of experiences that occurred over the last few weeks. So on the one hand, unfortunately, there have been a string of tragic losses of members of our Jewish community here in Johannesburg over the last, whatever it is, month or six weeks, something like that. And whenever that occurs, the outpouring of absolute love and the way the community pulls together is, I don't believe it really exists anywhere else in the world. And, and, and you could actually share that, by the way, if you have an experience about it. I'd love to hear. Because for some reason or another, over the last few weeks, I've got consistent feedback from other people, family members of ours, people who were here for bereavement, and just going on about how unique our community is, how unique the Johannesburg Jewish community is in terms of pulling together and supporting people through difficult times. So on the one hand, this is this amazing, amazing outpouring of love that occurs whenever there is some kind of a crisis, whenever people are are nervous or going through something which is really hard or experiencing a loss on the one hand. On the other hand, there's also a disturbing amount of people who feel completely isolated. And even to the point of, the, to the extreme, where you hear stories of people feeling that they just can't go on. And, and, and of course, understand that there might be chemical imbalance and there might be issues that are beyond a person's control. But there are people also who feel completely isolated, completely ignored by the community. So you wonder, how does this work? Is it possible that we create an environment where like-minded or people who have some kind of a loose association, we belong to the same general community, will absolutely pull together to help each other? And yet in those same communities, in that same environment, there could be individuals who feel absolutely sidelined and completely isolated. So it's it's an easy topic to talk about, to, to lecture about, to write books about, certainly to compose songs about. I think it's fair to say that love is probably a subject that has the most um, lyrics composed on that subject. And that's usually, of course, romantic love, and we're talking about a different kind of love over here. We're talking about the love that we're expected to have for our fellow Jew. It's all nice. 
it's all nice in theory. Question is, does it translate into practice? And I think the only way you could really discuss this and, and analyze it properly would require us to have some kind of a working definition of what is the expectation. Is it fair to have an expectation that you will feel towards another person as you feel towards yourself? Is fair expectation love somebody else as you love yourself and and i imagine that to some people who are listening and saying okay listen it's a, it's a it's a theoretical concept and i don't really want to weigh in because i've got my own issues with certain individuals and i'd rather not go down that road but that's why we have to have this conversation to see is this something that's relatable is it something which is implementable is it something that we can actually do so i'd love to hear your thoughts on this three four five one nine if you're going to send an sms if it's via telegram it's on oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine and as people love to do engage on social media you can catch high fm or me on either twitter or on facebook this is fresh thinking with rabbi ari shishla so yeah there you go who's wearing slippers Tomorrow, are you going to wear your slippers? I don't even think I have slippers. I have to make a plan. <laughs> so we're talking about Ahavas Yisrael, this well-oiled term that is used, and, and very often people use it, I suppose, to support a particular view or a particular attitude that they have. But the principle is supposed to teach us that we should love the next person as we love ourselves. And it does sound really out of reach. How could you? possibly love somebody else as you love yourself. And I suppose the question is, maybe you could say, well, if they qualify in a particular way, meaning to say, if the person observes as I observe, or if the person is a, a mensch, people always love to say that, right? Mensch. So if a person is a mensch, and of course, each individual has their unique definition of what a mensch is. So then I could see my way clear. Then I could see how I would love that person as I love myself. See, there, there's probably no greater love that exists than self-love. Um, somebody says over here, what if I'm a masochist? Well, okay. I th I, I'm assuming that that was tongue-in-cheek. Because there is that saying that you often hear people use, which is, in order to love somebody as you love yourself, there's first a requirement to love yourself. Fine. I think we've heard that along the way multiple times. Um, here's Bill. Bill says, the word used refers to our fellow Jew, correct? And I think that it's important to remember this because we are not to praise even the good that we find in idolatry. Okay, so that's a little bit off topic because that's really saying, you know, that, that we have a requirement or at least we have the right to be critical of something that is fundamentally different to our belief system. Okay, fine, hear the point, but that's not really what we're, what I'm asking today. I'm more, more interested in this concept of to love your fellow Jew. So should we love people unconditionally? Should we have no expectation of them to behave in a particular way or to observe in a particular way? Is it carte blanche? Across the board, somebody is part of the broader community, part of the nation, and that's it. You have to just, so to speak, love them and accept them and embrace them under all circumstances. Unconditional is a very strong word and it has huge implications. So is that the concept? Completely unconditional love for every single member of the tribe, if we could use that expression. 
It's interesting. Uh, Bill, again, saying, must also be cautious not to hate. And then he puts in brackets unnecessarily. For this was the main reason that the temple was destroyed, referring here to the second temple. Now, it's interesting that a word unnecessarily in brackets, because I think many people would probably agree with this, that if you say not to hate, and then you qualify it by saying unnecessarily, you may in fact have given license to hate. The moment there's the possibility of unnecessary hate, that implies the possibility of necessary hate. Now, is that something that we believe in? That sometimes it is appropriate, that sometimes it is necessary to hate. Uh, okay, I'm not saying not. Love to hear a perspective on that. Like, is there ever that kind of license? This person, oh, that person, it's necessary to hate them. It, it's, it's the kind of thing where you land up skating on thin ice. And very often it feels that way. It feels that people group themselves with others who are like-minded, with people who have similar, similar values, similar philosophies, ideology, theology. And then somebody doesn't quite fit into that mold. They say, well, it is necessary. It's appropriate because that person is, so to speak, off the rails, because that person is, so to speak, misguided, because that person is, a, so to speak, rebel. I have the rights to, to hate them. It's necessary because I wouldn't want, God forbid, for my children to learn from their poor example or whatever the case might be. I don't necessarily want them to have influence in the community. We have to brand people so that they are not emulated. I mean, there's, there's validity in that, right? Of course, let's say that somebody does something that's harmful to other people. Let's say that there's an individual who molests children. So you've, I think everybody would agree that there has to be a system by which we can identify and say, this is somebody who we cannot just embrace. At, well, you can embrace the person, but you certainly can't embrace the behavior. So I think it would be fair to acknowledge that some people don't get carte blanche. But that's not the same as saying hate. And I'm a little concerned about the suggestion that unnecessary, in brackets, hate, uh, which implies that there's some kind of hate that is not only acceptable but is necessary. That's something you've got to be so careful with. And the crazy thing about the human mind, human psychology, is the degree to which we are able to rationalize our particular choice or perspective. It's absolutely fascinating how easily we do it. I, 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 this person's just not worthy of love, or this person deserves to be hated. I think not worthy of love is bad and deserves to be hated. Whoa, that is, that's like another level entirely. Okay, uh, here's somebody asking a question. Does this quote unquote love mean a warm sentimental feeling in my heart? Something practical, like buy me a hamburger and chips because I'm hungry. I think we can acknowledge that when you hear the word love, it implies sentiment. If the Torah had to tell us, treat every person as you would have them treat yourself, well, then yes, go out and buy them a hamburger and chips because if you were hungry, you would want somebody to buy you food. So in the same way, you should go and buy them food. In fact, the great sage Hillel said something which sounds exactly like that. There was a story of a prospective convert and he wanted to hear what is the absolute core of what Judaism is all about. So he first went to the sage Shammai, said, tell me the whole Torah as I stand here on one foot. And Shammai sent him packing. 
And then he went to Hillel, who was a colleague of Shammai, had a somewhat different approach to teaching Judaism. And he asked him, tell me the whole Torah as I stand here on one foot. And what Hillel said to him is, anything that you would hate for somebody to do to you, never do to somebody else. That is the whole of the Torah, and the rest is commentary. So if it was that simple, just do, as people like to say, the cliche, do unto others as you would have them do to you, then yes. And it's not a sentimental love. It's a pragmatic love. And there are certain authorities who translate it exactly that way because it's a glaring problem to tell somebody that this is how you have to feel. And so a number of the commentaries or a number of the perspectives within the Torah about this mitzvah to love the next person like yourself are to say, well, no, no, you can never love somebody like yourself. It means treat them as you would have people treat you. So that is a valid distinction that uh, somebody said over here. Here's uh, you on Twitter who just asks, question mark, is this an attitude of the heart? Well, I think that's a similar question, right? Is it a matter of sentiment or is it a matter of practice? Now, there, there is a view. Let's let's take this view. Rabbi Akiva, who was a very great Torah scholar, and of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, this time of the year is very closely associated with Rabbi Akiva. So he comments on this line that we're going to read this Shabbos, that you should love your fellow Jew like yourself. He comments, this is a, a foundational principle of the whole of the Torah, of the whole of Judaism. It's a foundational principle. Now, the, the people just say, you see, you see what he said? That's this, like what Judaism was all about. That's not what he's saying. It's a foundational principle. And the nature of a foundational principle is that there'll be many steps and subcategories that you follow in order to implement this great foundational principle. So actually what Rabbi Akiva sounds like he's saying is this is not a matter of sentiment as much as a matter of following a series of steps like don't steal don't harm other people. Don't speak badly of other people. Do all of those things and you'll have qualified for this particular mitzvah. So what do you think? Do you feel that it's out of range, that it's too idealistic to expect that you're going to love another person like yourself? Do you feel that people have to live up to a certain standard first and then it's a fair expectation that you'd love them? I would be very interested to hear your input, 34519 via SMS 0618951019 on Telegram. Otherwise, as the conversation very often does, it's happening on social media, both on Twitter and on Facebook. If you have just tuned in, it is fresh thinking as it is on Thursday afternoons. You are with Rabbi Shishler heading up the second half of today's conversation. And the idea of fresh thinking is to take conventions that we are used to and see if perhaps we could look at them from a fresh and insightful angle. Today, we're talking about the positive commandment in the Torah, love your fellow Jew as yourself. How is that even possible? And, and does it require some kind of entry exam? You know, if somebody wants me to love them, well, first they have to qualify with X or Y. Okay, I don't understand that particular message. I'm going to skip over it. And here's David who says on Twitter that the Arizal, that's Rabbi Isaac Luria, one of the greatest Kabbalists who ever lived, he instituted 
that the first thing you should say as part of the daily prayers before you start anything is, Hareini mekabel olai, I hereby accept on myself, mitzvahs asay, the positive commandment, shel ve'ahavta l'reacha komoicha, to love my fellow as myself. So that's that opens up another very intriguing conversation. Why would that be the introduction to the prayer service? Sure, it's a very important element of what it is to be Jewish, but why would it be the introduction to the prayer service? Uh, here's somebody who says, not everyone is ready to be observant yet. I aspire to be as tolerant as those I respect. I do think that we should love that Jew inside all of us. I am not perfect, and I shouldn't expect anyone else to be either. That's a very beautiful perspective, right? And the truth is, could you imagine if it was a family relationship? And unfortunately, this kind of thing does happen. Imagine when you have a family relationship and there's not unconditional love. You have to live up to a particular expectation and only then is there familial love. That would be a serious problem, right? And one of the things that we're taught is the attitude we're supposed to have to our fellow Jew is that they are literally part of our immediate family, literally. And that should be unconditional love. So that's exactly like this message over here, to love that Jew inside all of us. And I'm not perfect. I shouldn't expect the next person to be perfect either. Okay, very valid point. It does raise a question. And, and the question comes from this perspective. There are two early sages who both speak in very extreme, very powerful terms about this particular mitzvah. The one is Rabbi Akiva, who says this is the foundation of the whole of Judaism. And the other is the sage Hillel, who told the prospective convert who wanted the absolute ultimate summary of Judaism. He said, all of Judaism is that you don't do to somebody else what you would hate for them to do to you. And the rest is commentary. So now let's let's analyze. Let's put on the glasses of a sage like Hillel. What's he effectively telling us? The whole Torah, the whole of Judaism. That's what he says. Zeu kol kula. This is the whole of Judaism. Is what? It's to love your fellow Jew like yourself. That's the whole of Judaism. It almost makes it sound like Judaism is designed to re to get us to the point where we could actually love a person properly. Almost as if to say, it's not something which is completely accessible or easily accessible to just anybody. That's why we have a whole Jewish system to get us to reach that point. So Torah is there to service us having love for the next person. Now, you know what's interesting about this? This is the same individual, the same Hillel, who says in... Father's Pirkei Avos, which traditionally we study at this time of the year, and we just read this particular statement of Hillel this past Shabbos afternoon. He says, you should be a student of Aaron. Aaron referring to Aaron, the high priest, brother of Moses, the individual who was the, this iconic personality of reconciliation. So wherever he felt that there was conflict, he couldn't help himself. He had to get involved, and he had to stop the conflict in its tracks and he tirelessly to reconcile people so Hillel says all of us should learn to be students of Aaron of Aaron and then he explains what does it mean to be a student of Aaron somebody who loves peace that's beautiful right somebody who loves peace who does not love peace and then he says it's not good enough 
to love peace. But you also have to pursue peace. That means you have to be proactive. It's not good enough just to say, I, idealistically, conceptually, abstractly, I believe in the virtue of peace. That's not good enough. You've got to put your money where your mouth is. So he says, Roy Dave Shalom, you've got to pursue peace. It's got to be something which is proactive in your life. Then he says, love every individual. And he selects a very strange word. Instead of saying people, he says creatures. Because the implication is that there's some people who, to us, we see no value. But we acknowledge that God must see a value in them. Otherwise, why would he have created them? But in our minds, they have no value at all. So Hillel, Hillel says, go express and show authentic love for those people too. And then he says, and draw them close to the Torah. Now that's the part that should get you to screech to a halt. That's the part that should stop you in your tracks and say, whoa, one second. You're Hillel, right? You're the Hillel who said that the entire Torah is all about loving every individual and you made no discrimination. You never said that it depends on their religious level or on their intellectual level or on their decency level. You never said that. You said that the entire Torah, you, Hillel, said that the entire Torah is all about bringing us to a point that we would treat the next person as we would have them treat us. And now, when it comes to the expression about pursuing peace, you, Hillel, are the one who says that should be your goal and objective, to chase and to pursue peace. And you, Hillel, you're the one who's saying don't discriminate about who you love because you call them briois, meaning even those people who others would discriminate against because they feel they're not worthy, you're saying love them. So why suddenly this caveat and bring them close to Torah? Surely, we shouldn't need to bring people close to Torah in order to love them. Surely, love somebody for who they are, despite the fact that they're not like you. So maybe you've got an insight or a thought on that. Conversation is happening on Twitter and on Facebook, both mine and Chai FM. And alternatively, the good old-fashioned SMS still works on 34519. If you've got more newfangled apps like Telegram, then you've got to message us on 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're talking about this idea to love your fellow Jew like yourself. And my question is, how? Who? <laughs> is it possible? Okay, so one part of the conversation, and somebody has sent me a whole thing over here on Twitter, which thankfully I'm, I am familiar with, but a whole deep, involved explanation what exactly it means to love somebody like yourself and how that is even possible because by nature we should only love those who are us, not like us. <laughs> In other words, by nature, a person will always prioritize themselves. I mean, even look at Rabbi Akiva, who's the one who said that the, this is the foundational principle of the whole of Judaism. He is also the one who says if there is a situation where two people have one resource and there's only enough for one of the two people and somebody's going to die, so the classic example is two people in a desert. One of them has a water bottle and the other doesn't. Rabbi Akiva, who says that love of the next person is this foundational principle of Judaism, he says 
you take the water bottle for yourself because at the end of the day, your life takes precedence over everybody else's life. So it's, you know, the reality is the way a person is close to themselves is not going to be uh, replicated in any other relationship. So what exactly does it mean? And what does Hillel mean when he says, go out there and love every person? And he implies indiscriminately by using a word which describes people in their lowest form. And he still says, love them. And then he says, but bring them close to Torah, almost as if to say that it is conditional, that there is a, a, an, an ulterior motive. So how do we get our head around that? Here's Larry who says that uh, he excludes himself, uh, well, I guess the question is, do you love every single Jew? He says, I exclude those who align themselves with anti-Semitic entities like the BDS and Hamas under the guise of being peaceniks. Okay. Okay. Valid point. Um, absolutely. Here's uh, Delia who says, it's always easy looking for the good in some people, but it's usually, uh, uh, it's always easy, but anyhow, but it's usually there if you look hard or long enough. However, there are those individuals that it is best Lo loving them from afar. <laughs> yeah, well, gee, that's quite a thing. Some people, it's best to love them from afar. Okay, so the question, I suppose, is not just simply do we discriminate who we do or don't love. The question is, do we, um, how do we understand what Hillel is saying, that on the one hand, you should love every person, even those who are like the, so to speak, least developed of the lot, and the fact that he says that you should bring them close to Torah. See, here's the thing. Unfortunately, what happens often is we like to talk, talk in very general terms, you know, la-la land kind of stuff. The abstract concept, yeah, go out there, love every person, spread the love. It sounds very nice. sounds maybe a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little 60s. But it's a great principle in, in, in the broadest, widest sense. It's a great principle that you should love every person. In realistic terms, it's not possible. It's not possible to love every person. So in realistic terms, we have to acknowledge that there's a treatment plan of how you're supposed to deal with people. That's the simplest explanation. There's a treatment plan. Rabbi Akiva says this is the overarching principle. The rest is detail. So when you practice the details of the laws of the Torah, you will inevitably be treating people in such a way that they, um, that, that, that they are loved. But Hillel says something very intriguing. Hillel says, no, 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 this is not one of these generic kumbaya kind of st statements. This idea of loving your fellow Jew like yourself starts first by acknowledging a core principle. And that is as long as you look at people and all you see is what presents to the eye, the physical person, there's no way you could love them. How's that possible? How could you love them? They're different to you. They're your competition. We're all vying for the same limited pool of resources. How could you love them as much as you? Like Rabbi Akiva says, there's one bottle of water, you take it. But once you start to look at a person and acknowledge their soul, you realize it's actually ludicrous not to love the next person because our souls are all interlinked. And when you look at a person from that perspective, you see them for their soul, you cannot but love them. In other words, if we're having difficulty with another person, and this is a very deep concept because at the end of the day, it would take a huge amount of personal work to reach this point. But if we look at another person and we see in that person something that offends us, that upsets us, that 
angers us, that would be an indication that we haven't matured our spiritual perspective. We're still seeing the difference. We're still seeing the separateness rather than seeing the essence that connects us. So our goal is, that's why he says the whole Torah is commentary on this mitzvah because the whole purpose of all of Torah is to shift our perspectives that we don't just see the world uh, WYSIWYG. You know, what you see is what you get. We don't just see the world on the surface. We learn to detect the depth that lies beneath the surface. That is the goal and purpose of Judaism. And the more we achieve that, the better we get at doing that, the more we are capable of seeing the real, authentic, absolute value in every person, even the person who is very rough around the edges. That's something that would take possibly years of work to achieve. When we achieve that, we come to acknowledge this fact. We all originate from the same source or to put it differently at the deepest level all of our souls intersect that's the truth of who we are it's not me and you it's certainly not me versus you it's us and what once a person understands that principle fundamentally then well then then there's no distinction then there's no discrimination then it's not it's not a factor of how decently this person behaves or how religious this person is at the end of the day those are the layers of wrapping but the core that lies within that wrapping is absolutely pure is absolutely good and if i'm not seeing that well then to borrow from what delia said Maybe I'm not looking hard enough. Maybe I'm not looking deeply enough because I think it was Darren who commented earlier, if we're going to start to limit who we love based on they've got to be decent, they've got to be religious, etc., we may land up with a very short list of people who we feel we can fulfill this mitzvah with. And that's why we've got to, there's got to be a shift, a tremendous shift to the point of saying, I see an individual for who they are, not for how they present. That's Hillel's first message. And that's why he says, you go out there, you love every single person, regardless of how lowly they might appear, regardless of how distant they might be from their religious God, in our opinion, from their commitment to Torah. They might seem like they're absolutely spiritually adrift, that is not for me to analyze and to decide. I have a simple obligation. Simple obligation is to imagine and make it clear in my mind that that individual is created in the divine image. That individual's soul intersects at its source with my soul. Therefore, regardless of what they are or who they are, who they are or what they are doing, I am required to have this amazing sense of love towards them still haven't answered the question so then why does Hillel say bring them close to the Torah that seems to imply that there still is some kind of requirement or some kind of entry exam so if you've got a thought on that I'd love you to share it before we start to wrap up this is fresh thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla so the question is it's absolutely a principle that we have to love a person for who they are not necessarily for what they do or how similar they might be to us how decent they are how religious they are why then does Hillel insist that you should engage in drawing them close to the Torah just say love your fellow Jew 
end of story. No, love your fellow Jew and bring them close to the Torah. And this is not because we believe that somebody is any less worthwhile if they're not close to the Torah. In fact, to the contrary. See, the thing is this. If there is an individual, uh, you know, there's an expression. The expression goes, there are some people who don't deserve our Rachmanus. They don't deserve our compassion. So the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe used to say, can you imagine how much compassion those people need if they don't deserve our compassion? In other words, because a person is in a bad state, the, it's not the correct response to say, I'm going to cut them off, I'm going to have nothing to do with them, I'm not going to like them. The correct response is to say, not only do I love and care for that person, the correct response is I love and care for that person to the extent that I'd like to help them discover that innate goodness that I've been taught that they have and they clearly don't feel. Because if they did feel it, they would behave differently. They wouldn't be uh, criminal. They wouldn't be so so harsh. You know, some people look at them and say, like, I don't, like, why do you have to be so rough? Why do you have to be so aggressive? Why do you have to be so cold? Well, very often it's because they don't see within themselves that there's a possibility of anything more than that. It's quite interesting because uh, this Yankee, not Yankee, that's what he calls himself on Twitter, says um, you have to love yourself in order to be able to love somebody else. And, and although I think it, it could be a little cliche to say that, there is a very important grain of truth in it. Not just love yourself. If you don't see the value in yourself, what is, what's the verse? You have to love the next person. You love yourself. If you don't see the value in yourself, if you just love yourself because of your achievements, if you just love yourself because of your appearance, if you just love yourself because of your bank account, any of those things could disappear over time and with it, that love, that healthy self-love. But if we love ourselves because of who we are, because of the virtue of the fact that God felt we were worth making, by virtue of the fact that we have a soul, that's how we need to teach the next person to see themselves. So rather than to write them off and say, that person's a rogue, that person's misguided, that person's a horrible person, bring them close. Educate them. Give them the tools as Hillel says, draw them close to the Torah. Give them the tools that they could use to change the lens through which they see themselves. Because there's no question that they saw themselves as meaningful, beautiful, holy beings, which is what we're supposed to see in the next person. If they saw that about themselves, naturally they wouldn't be as abrasive. Naturally they wouldn't be as disgusting in their behavior. That's Hillel's message. If you truly love somebody, bring them close to the Torah so that they can learn the beauty that lies within themselves and then start to live it. Well, that was uh, an interesting conversation. A couple of other messages that just came through now, so it's a bit late to get into those conversations. But thank you for sharing. Thank you for being part of the conversation. As always, wishing you a wonderful Shabbos Please, God, only good things in this month of ER, which is considered the month of healing for all those who need it. In the meantime, till next time, stay safe and stay sane.